Have you ever had an unexpected traumatic experience that caused your life to pivot in ways you couldn't even begin to imagine? And yet, it becomes the very thing that catapults you right back into your authentic self. Well, stay tuned and I'll tell you how that question got answered for me right here on Naked and Persuaded. Thank you so much for tuning in and basically letting curiosity get the better of you. I'm your host, Chris Black Jasper, and I am here to take you through a journey where words like vulnerable and transparent and naked don't make you nervous at all. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Naked and Persuaded podcast channel wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor.fm, wherever you go, we are there or will be. Also make sure to become a subscriber on our YouTube channel, as well as follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Naked and Persuaded. On Twitter, you can find us at Naked, the letter N, Persuaded. Make sure you also check out our website, nakedandpersuaded.org. Now, let's get to it. welcome back to part two of A Truth About Authenticity. Um, Hopefully you had a chance to listen to part one and obviously you know that I talked about something that happened in my childhood. So I'm going to go forward quite a few years for part two and I'll take you to January 2013. So the previous month, December 2012, I had just celebrated my seven-year wedding anniversary. And um, we're into January, and about mid-January, I get a call um, from my twin sister uh, informing me that our mother had been found collapsed on the floor by her boyfriend, um, bleeding, Um, did not know how long she had been there, didn't know what was going on, what had happened. Ambulance um, obviously had come. Uh, She wasn't able to, um, they weren't able to wake her up. She was unresponsive. She still had a heartbeat, a pulse, but unresponsive. They rushed her to the hospital. This again is in January. Um, My mother never woke up from that. We later found out, of course, during her time in the hospital that she had had an aneurysm and she was on life support at the time. My sisters and I had to make the decision, very hard decision, to take her off life support after lots of consultations with the doctors, um, some not so happy family members, her, you know, her brothers and Um, Our uncles, obviously, um, weren't happy um, that we had to make that decision, but it was ours to make. And we made the very hard decision to remove her off life support. My mom did pass 
away in February and we buried her in February. She was the permanent 24-7 caregiver to her mother, my grandmother. And when my mother passed away, shortly thereafter, our grandmother passed away. So mom gets found in January. We bury her in February. Our grandmother passes in March and we, towards the end of March, we bury her the beginning of April. And then after I returned um, on my flight from that funeral, shortly thereafter in that same month, I was now separated from my husband at that time. We had two children together and it was not a smooth thing. And it was all very, I don't even know how to describe it, to be honest with you. It was very, well, traumatic. I had to grieve. I had to grieve my mother. And in the process of trying to grieve my mother, I had to then begin to grieve the loss of my grandmother. And in the process of trying to grieve my mother, and then grieve my grandmother, I now have to grieve my marriage. Now, let me be clear by saying that it was my choice to separate. Well, let me take that back. I won't necessarily say it was my choice. We had a conversation one afternoon because some things had been done and had been said um, that caused me to really rethink and reassess what my marriage actually was and who I had become in that marriage. And a lot of things came to light about the person that I was married to. And it really caused, as I said, my authentic self to be catapulted back. And in the loss of my mother and my grandmother, I looked at who these women were, what I saw of these women, how I saw them persevere, how I saw them make mistakes and get back up, how I saw them push through and make things happen in spite of the obstacles, how they made choices for their family. Not all of them were great choices, but they made them and they worked through those consequences and we got through it. And as I looked at what those women had been in my life and the things that they had taught me, it caused me to reevaluate who I was and what was I doing and, and how was I, doing it and why was I doing this and how did I become this person and how did I become so empty as a person now in those seven years of marriage um, it wasn't all bad but I can assure you that it was not 
all great. It's amazing the things that you try to hide or think that you're hiding, um, but you're not. And the people that are closest to you, they see it. And it's always funny. I always ask myself, um, like, why? Like the people that saw what I thought I was trying to hide, like, why didn't they say anything? Why didn't, you know, and everybody has their reasons for why they say something to a friend or don't say something to a friend, you know, and it's always a fine line, especially when you're in a marriage and you have friends and they may, maybe they want to say something. Maybe they don't know how to say something. Maybe they are unsure, um, whatever their reasons were. I certainly don't fault any of them, but I remember just looking back when I had made the decision um, that this is how it was going to be um, during during a conversation that he and I were having. As I said, we had gotten back from that funeral and my mind was just in a different place. My heart was in a different place. You, you know that you know, when a woman's fed up, there ain't nothing you can do about it. When her mind is made up, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and I was just at that point, again, things things were said and done that for me were unforgivable. I could have forgiven, but they were inexcusable. Let me say that because, you know, I like to believe that I do my best to see the good in people and, you know, past their flaws because I, I'm flawed as well. Um, but the actions and the words were unforgivable. And so we had a conversation one afternoon and the conversation was supposed to just be, let me tell you where I am. Let me express to you where I am so that maybe we can see what, what we're doing here. And he, he went in a whole different direction and I remember saying, if this is how it's going to be, maybe maybe we shouldn't be doing this. And in retrospect, I honestly felt like it was the out that he was looking for just just because of the lack of fight or the lack of. I don't know, I'm going to call it the lack of fight. Uh, or how easily it was for him to just say, okay, and then, you know, kind of move on from there. But anyway, so we wind up separating. So here I am, mom of two young children. I have three boys, but the two um, were in this particular marriage and they were young. They were three and six, are um, going to be three and six. And it was empowering and scary as hell because I'm about to be a single parent of two and I don't know, I'm still also trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing on top of the fact that I got to figure out how to process the grief of my mom, process the grief of my grandmother, process the, the grief from no longer being married. And, but there was no time for any of that because I had children to raise. 
And I had to figure out what I had to figure out to make sure that we were going to be all right, that the comments and threats of the detriment that I was doing to their lives by making such a decision and so on and so forth, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, there was a lot of verbal abuse, emotional abuse, um, not too much physical abuse, but there was some. And I just remember being scared and courageous at the same time, being confused about how I was going to get this done, but confident at the same time, knowing that I I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to have to do it. I remember at that time, just because everything was going on and so much that had happened within those seven years, my relationship with the Lord was pretty much by that point non-existent. And just because of things that had happened and I was just fed up, I remember saying that if being a Christian was like this example that I had in our marriage, I didn't want anything to do with it. Um, But I'll be transparent because this is naked and persuaded. I'll be transparent enough to say that I promise y'all I went through every motion. I went to church. I sang. I served in the church. I worked in the church. I did I did all kinds of things, you know, um, in the church because I love my church and they were my family. They are still my family. But I didn't want anyone to know that there was this void. So we we end that and I am trying to figure out how to get back to my authentic self. Now I knew without a shadow of a doubt where I was by the end of that marriage is not who I was. I, I knew that. I knew that beyond words I knew that. But there was still there was somewhere along the way I had lost who I was and people who knew me before I had gotten married if they had seen me at the end of that they would be who in the world is this because this is not the Chris that we remember that we were around that we grew up with so I I tried to find my way back to that authentic Chris and Y'all, let me tell you, that in itself was a journey that I did not see coming. There were some rough patches. There were plenty of days and nights crying. There were plenty of times when I just was ready to throw in the towel. But I knew I had two children depending on me. So that wasn't really an option. Um, so I just pushed through. And while I was Attempting to push through, I also push people away. Now, I push people away. For me, it was out of 
protection for myself, but also protection for those people. Um, my husband in that time, at that time, we both had a lot of mutual friends, a lot. So my concern was them not feeling some kind of way or feeling like they had to be loyal to one or the other. I didn't want that for them. I didn't want them to have that kind of burden. But at the same time, I needed a shoulder. I needed someone to talk to. I needed someone to listen. I needed someone to just say, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. I didn't need them to understand. I didn't need them to um, have pity or anything like that. I just needed someone to say it was gonna be okay and that I'm here for you. But I wanted them to be able to say that and I know that without a shadow of a doubt. Again, we had mutual friends, so the trust issue for me was also a factor. Yeah, you may be saying that you're here for me, but do I fully know that I can lean on you or if I need to vent or if I need to say that I'm scared and I need to tell you why I'm scared or I need to whatever, are you going to go back and say something? And I said, you know what? I don't even want to have to deal with that. So I'll just cut everybody off. Yep. Just cut everybody off except for those handful of people that I knew were going to be down like four flat tires. Everybody else, I just cut them off which was the dumbest thing I could have ever done. Yeah, in retrospect, yeah, that wasn't smart. That wasn't smart. Um, isolation, especially during a, a grieving process. And again, remember everyone, I'm grieving my mother, my grandmother, and my marriage. <sighs> yeah, a lot. Isolation is definitely not the best place to put yourself in. But I did. And so again, I put me on the back burner. Whatever I my processes to deal with, the, the grieving, the, the processing the losses, I had to put all that to the side because I have children and I have to make sure that they're okay. So again, after they went on to bed, it was crying. And it wasn't even crying out to God. God, help me. God, I need you. God, come through. God, where are you? It wasn't, it wasn't any of that. I didn't call on the Lord at all. I just cried. I just cried. And woke up the next day, put on my makeup, went on about my business, went to work, got the children where they needed to be, and went through the process over and over and over again. So I want you to understand that when I talk about a truth about authenticity, I talk about being or having a moment where you're real with yourself, where a moment of being real with yourself changes you. I had to go through the loss of my mother and my grandmother and my marriage 
to get back to this journey of me, this journey of purpose. It was hard. It was hard. It was lonely. It was frustrating. It was very, very, very testing. I feel like I passed a lot of tests and I failed a lot of tests. Um, But I'm still standing. I'm still standing with a confidence and a peace that I didn't realize at the time that I'd be able to enjoy. If you've ever heard the term, um, well, it's in the Bible, it's not even a term, peace that surpasses all understanding or having joy unspeakable that's full of glory. I know that peace now. I know that joy now. And no one and nothing could ever change that for me. I feel like I've gone through a lot of fiery, fiery trials. And in those situations, with the peace that I have and the joy that I have, I think I definitely came out as pure gold. Now, don't get it twisted. I am far from perfect. I still get it wrong. I still make mistakes. I still am trying to figure my way out about walking in purpose fully. I'm definitely walking in a purpose. My full purpose, I'm still working on that. But I love where I am. I love how those moments, even though I lost, my mom and my grandmother and my marriage. I love and appreciate the fact that it woke me back up to being who I am and to loving who I am and to not be afraid to be strong, to not be afraid to say, I know some things and I don't know some things. And I am open to be taught. I love being teachable. I love sharing. And I love other people sharing. I love the gift of me. And that's a pretty awesome place to be. So I encourage you all to take some time. And be authentic. Take some time to learn the wonderful things about who you are. Own it. Appreciate it. Make sure people respect it. And don't change who you are for the betterment of other people. Unless it's making you a better person. Now, if it's making you better, then by all means, you absolutely should. Make an adjustment in your life, in your thought process. But if it's only to benefit someone else, only to not cause you to be the best version of you, you can pass that right on by and say thank you, but no thank you. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned. 
for more episodes right here on Naked and Persuaded. I'm your host, Chris Black Jasper, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.